Hello everybody and welcome to Kane and Rince Sound of Play. Every Wednesday in Sound of Play we bring you some of our, and your, favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And this is Leon Cox with Sound of Play 156, and it's an all-community request show. We like to do this from time to time, catch up with the pics from our forum, head over to canerince.com forum, the Sound of Play folder thread there you'll find links back to all the shows in this run of podcasts going back several years now we recently had our 150th show i hope you enjoyed that 
Uh, it was an all vocal track special. We've got at least one vocal track in this show, but uh, I've decided to focus on some of the older tracks that have been selected. I don't mean how long ago they were requested necessarily, although in some cases that is uh, that is appropriate, but actually some of the older tracks uh, sort of going back through, well, starting in the NES era with a 1986 piece that you've already heard there, and we'll be going all the way up to a 1999 piece. No, I tell a lie, a 2000 piece. Uh, so, yeah, should be fun. All requests, as I say, and the first piece you heard there, as if you couldn't tell, was from Castlevania. And it was requested by our friend Ben Cartledge from One Credit Classics, who says, I spent forever trying to get a decent no-death clear on Castlevania on the NES a few years back. I played it a lot at home via emulation and at work. My boss was on holiday, but there were sections that I really couldn't quite crack. My final eureka moment came at 30,000 feet, however. I downloaded it onto my trusty 3DS XL ahead of some foreign adventure, and I finally cracked it, sitting in a window seat flying with a stunning view of the sun rising over Belgium early in the morning. I remember the woman had just asked me if I wanted another cup of tea. It's almost as if she knew somehow. Dracula fell, as did the strange giant chicken-looking monster he subsequently transforms into, and I lost myself for a second before yelling, SIT DOWN, as is the norm in these situations. I quickly sunk back into the recesses of my chair, sitting down even lower than before, ironically before anyone figured out it was me. In reality, most people were asleep though, so I think I got away with it. I knew I could do it now though, all I had to do was get back and replicate this feat. That proved tricky when it came to it, but I got there in the end. Every single time I hear this song, I'm transported to that scene somehow. That tiny little plane taking me on yet another adventure, unable to encapsulate the joy I felt in finally putting the curse of Castlevania to bed. Until next time, Dracula. So the piece was called Wicked Child, composed by Kinio Yamashita, as I think all the pieces on that original Nintendo Entertainment System Castlevania were from 1986. Uh, yes, regular listeners will know that uh, Ben at One Credit Classics uh, has a series of videos on YouTube where he does what it says on the tin, but he goes beyond that sometimes, not just one credit, but as you heard there, no deaths, no deaths on the original Castlevania, uh, not something that I could envisage many people being able to do or have the patience to to get to that stage uh he doesn't cheat either uh he uh, i think maybe he practices i think he said when we interviewed him he practices certain sections using save state sometimes but overall uh it's uh, he does it as honestly as he as he possibly can it might turn out ben that you're a massive fraud and the whole thing's a lie but we have to take you on your word anyway ben's going to be joining us for our Ghosts and Goblins, Makaimura, and Ghouls and Ghosts, though Makaimura, shows later in the year, and he'll be the one who's really played them properly and beaten them without cheating, which I'm going to have to do because I've been playing those games for 30-odd years and uh, I'm going to need some safe state action to get to the end. Uh, that's just the way it is, unfortunately. Next up, we have another request from the Sega Master System version of Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, this was the uh, Team Ancient 8-bit incarnation of Sonic. I know it has some uh, absolute defenders. Many people prefer it to the 16-bit games for its uh, slightly more uh, sort of s classic platform fare, I suppose. Uh, and the soundtrack is, of course, a belter because it's by uh, Mr. Streets of Rage himself, Yuzo Koshiro. And uh, this is requested by Sean S. Thomas, and it is Labyrinth Zone. Labyrinth Zone. 
Labyrinth Zone from Sega Master System version of Sonic, the original Sonic from 1991. We've heard both of the 8-bit console chips. I say both. There were more than that, but that's uh, two of the major ones covered there, which leads us on to a 16-bit computer game. Actually, this is a conversion of a, uh, a 1989 Data East arcade machine, Sly Spy, uh, which has a different name, which I can't quite remember off the top of my head. Anyway, it's a James Bond style game for the arcade by Data East. It's recently been re-released as a ROM, uh, fairly straight US ROM download on the Nintendo Switch, if you fancy checking it out. But as the gaffer from the forum says, much like the amazing Ghouls and Ghosts soundtrack on the Amiga, this was another conversion where the Follins put their own stamp on the music rather than copy the arcade. So with uh, the usual warning that this is an Amiga stereo track, so if you're listening on headphones, it might sound a bit weird because it's all extreme separation left and right. Uh, but ignore that and just listen to the grooves that the always amazing Follins, Tim and Jeff, came up with for Tune 1. Sly Spy, actually known in Japan as Secret Agent, Sly Spy being the American name, and the European name is both Sly Spy, colon, Secret Agent. You'll see from the accompanying artwork that, yes, it was a uh, an unlicensed James Bond game that um, you would, the sort, yeah, the likes of which you would get uh, at the time where where are times when um, copyright law wasn't quite so stringently upheld uh, and perhaps they were crafty enough to avoid some of the most obvious connections between the two yeah this is available from the on the label Johnny Turbo's arcade uh, which is 
Flying Tiger Entertainment's uh, arcade, sort of retro arcade label. Um, I think they're only doing stuff for the Switch at the moment. We've already had Bad Dudes versus Dragon Ninja. Uh, it's a little frustrating because unlike the Sikio games and the Neo Geo and other arcade games by Hamster, these versions are a little lacking in terms of options and audio-visual options and things like that. They're perfectly uh, competent emulations of the coin-ups, but they're a, a little feature-light and yet actually slightly more expensive than, say, the Hamster games. So uh, if you could just Johnny Turbo's arcade people uh, do a little more with them, that would be nice. Thank you. Uh, it's appreciated by those of us who care about these things. But if you just want a quick blast of an old arcade classic by Data East, they've got some more coming. I think they've already got some more out in uh, in the US and Japan, actually. Um, but yes, uh, these this one and Bad Dudes versus Dragon Ninja, which I know was a big hit over here, they're already there on the European eShop, I should say. Now, more 16-bit stuff because we're moving through the years in a forward momentum. This is 1994 and the game we know, I say we, as English speakers, uh, as Earthbound, the RPG known as Mother 2, requested by Mauricio MM. This is the ambient track from one of my favourite locations in the game, a place for our young protagonists to slow down and take a very brief rest from their overbearing but exciting quest to stop Porky Minch and save the world. Just be mindful of this city's status as a tourist trap. This is the very summary sounding, appropriate, uh, as many of us have just experienced several weeks, many, many weeks of, uh, of living on the sun, as our Darren Gargett put it. Uh, no rain, and, uh, but holiday-like weather nonetheless. So this is summer's theme from Earthbound.
holiday vibes there from Keichi Suzuki and Hirokazu Tanaka from Super Nintendo RPG Mother 2 or westernized as Earthbound Ape Software or whatever they were called we have many 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 games on our cane and rinse list of games that we would like to review in depth on that podcast I think most of you who listen to this do listen to that fewer the other way around unfortunately but uh, one of the series we I'm sure would like to cover as well as the other sort of Nintendo stable RPGs the, the Mario's and Paper Mario's, Mario and Luigi's, uh, would be Earthbound. And uh, there is, uh, of course, Earthbound Beginnings they made available. So there is a way to play uh, the original game in, in an uh, English language version. And uh, an Earthbound, I'd be really interested to play those someday. Uh, cute, humorous RPGs with a massive cult following. Uh, or a, maybe not a massive cult following, but a, uh, a fervent and... Uh, yeah, it, it's it's a game that's extremely beloved among its fans. But uh, obviously, the characters have become perhaps better known uh, outside of Japan and America through their inclusion in Smash Brothers, and they'll all be back, as we know, everybody's back in the Smash Brothers game for Switch coming out later this year. The time might be right, but uh, well, we haven't scheduled anything in for next year yet. But uh, who knows? They might be on the list. Moving on again to the CD era of 32 bits and the PS1. This is a game I had but didn't put an enormous amount of time in. It came in my first flush of, maybe maybe not first, maybe the second flush of JRPG enthusiasm following my, my debut. <laughs> my first game in the genre which was Secret of Mana, which uh, we are imminently covering on the Kane and Rinse podcast. And... After that, because I loved that game so much at the time, uh, I started kind of yeah really buying anything in the genre that I could. And then uh, the PlayStation came along, allowing for yes, kind of richer uh, soundtracks and uh, anime sequences and all this kind of stuff. Wild Arms was one of the ones I bought during that time. But for whatever reason, I never spent an enormous amount of time with it. I guess it didn't grab me early on. But uh, it was a series that ended up with four entries I think maybe four or five going on to the PS2 era and um, but then at some point uh, they just stopped uh, I guess favor had fallen away from them um, but I'm sure they still have their fans one of which is Sergeant Silent who says I found this game a couple of years ago and have been in love with its soundtrack from that moment on the latter version that we're going to hear uh, momentarily composed for the 2006 feeling wind volume one album and as such uh, a classical piano track so yeah this is the original wild west sounds of the town theme from the original wild arms and then we're going to segue straight into the 10-year anniversary version from the feeling wind uh, album uh, and the composer is michiko naroke
Michiko Naroke there, just looking at her CV uh, before the Wild Arms. Uh, four, she she worked on four or five Wild Arms games. There was uh, there were games two, three, four, and uh, a game called Wild Arms Alter Code F, some kind of spin-off. Uh, I don't know. Forgive my ignorance, uh, but I'm interested to learn. I must have seen the name before because she actually worked on arrangements of the Ocarina of Time medley and the amazing Bramble Blast from uh, Diddy Kong's Quest, of course. Diddy's Kong Quest, I should say. Uh, that's, I don't want to be uh, don't want to be caught by an Alex the Kid moment. Um, yeah, for Super Smash Brothers Brawl. So that's pretty cool. And yes, yeah, she's been working on arrangements for the last uh, Smash Brothers as well, the this 3DS Wii U game. Don't know whether she's involved in the next one or not. Uh, but that's very cool from that 1996 PlayStation 1 JRPG. Uh, if you enjoy JRPGs, I'm sure that's a series still worth checking out. It's a little unlike anything else, a sort of Wild West sci-fi thing. I realise there is precedent for that in anime, manga, but uh, I'm less familiar with that in a video game context there may be some obvious examples next we have this is uh, i think this is one of my favorite uh, written requests for any tune we've ever had on the podcast it was a piece i was not familiar with at all before but i've heard it a few times now there is something strangely compelling about it and it is on the surface just purely jolly children's tv show type of stuff but there is something slightly odd about it and i'll let uh, parasitic tween who requested the track explain Long before the Lego games were simply brickified renditions of other major pop culture franchises, there was Lego Island. A primitive and extremely surreal exploratory PC game with its own bizarre world and personality. The game was foundational for me and was among my primary introductions to navigating 3D environments in first person. I still find it transportive, confounding and slightly eerie due to its totally unique, difficult to describe atmosphere. Something about the open but very limited world, visuals simplified almost to the point of metaphor, disjointed slapstick humour often involving disassembly of the Lego citizens' bodies and, most of all, its compressed but highly experimental and eclectic OST give it the comical but disconcerting feeling of something like LSD Dream Emulator or a David Lynch film. The soundtrack is incredibly strange and all over the place. Some of the tracks, like Information Center Top, feel like proto-vaporwave and feature distorted audio sampling and arrhythmic, <laughs> arrhythmic instrumentation, while others, like Park or Lucky You, resemble New Age grooves or jangle pop radio jams from this relatable but implacably foreign Lego world. The song I want to suggest, though, is probably the weirdest. This hysterically strange Mama Papa Bricolini functions as a novelty jukebox track sung by the pizzeria owners on Lego Island, who also happen to be absurdly broad Italian stereotypes. That trait... <laughs> That trademark Lego Island eeriness is also present. The song is actually about how the pizzeria is the only food source on the island and how pizza is literally the sole dietary element of the Lego Island citizens, despite them being aware of and, logging for, and longing for other culinary experiences. It has everything I love about Lego Island, idiosyncratic humour, strange translations of real-life customs and clichés, tinny but catchy sounds, and a subtle sense of lurking existential dread. Lego Island is a rough, primitive experience, but I admire it for its totally unique personality and can't help but lament the popular movie series, but with Lego format, that games in the franchise have been distilled into. 
So before we hear it, this track appears to indeed only be available in this uh, highly compressed monophonic format. Uh, if there's a, a nicer version out there, let me know and we'll, we'll play it again. But I think maybe this is it. Mama Papa Bricolini by Lauren Nelson with a vocal by Monica Pasquale. Island, that was when Mindscape were making Lego games before Traveller's Tales started churning out the many, many, and many of which are beloved licensed uh, Lego movie games still happening to this day. I think I just saw at uh, at the time of recording, I think it was earlier today, uh, Le- uh, Lego DC Supervillains, I think that was announced on the 21st of July 2018. So um, it will never end. And why would it? Uh, people always love Lego and licenses <laughs> and movies. Another track coming up from a, a, probably a franchise that we may have never featured before, forgive me if I'm wrong, on Sound of Play, and possibly a composer we've never featured before as well. I'll hand over to Spacefarer, who requested this. Here's a nice track from Jazz Jackrabbit 2, one of my favourite games. Before we begin... I played the shareware demo of the first Jazz Jack Rabbit to death and back. With that out of the way, the first time I played Jazz 2, it was at my uncle's house. It didn't take long before it made its way to our own computer, and I played it and played it and played it some more. One could say I caned and rinsed it. I found many of its secrets and made sure to players both Jazz and his brother Spaz equally. I played multiplayer with my brother on occasion. I toyed around with Jazz Creation Station, the level editor included with the game. My dad managed to scrounge up a printout of all the game's cheat codes, even though we only had dial-up at the time. My mum even let me take a day off school to play it. Side note, 
I was four years old. It wasn't until several years later that I discovered we had a weird version of the game, an OEM disc that must have come packaged with my uncle's computer. I've still got that disc alongside the original box copies of both Jazz 2 and its expansion, The Secret Files. Not a great expansion perhaps, but more jazz is good news in my book. One of the most memorable levels from that first jazz was Tube Electric, and as you can probably guess, it contains a lot of electricity and quite a number of tubes. Jazz 2 brought this level back, but with additional pinball-related gubbins for some reason, as well as a remixed version of its music track. Great bit of work from Alexander Brandon. That is the Tube Electric remix from Jazz Jack Rabbit 2 by Alexander Brandon. Of course, I'm sure you all know, but Jazz Jack Rabbit were games by Cliff Blazinski uh, under the uh, the Epic Mega Games banner before they just became Epic and started making Gears of War. But that was from 1998, as if you couldn't tell from the way it sounded, <laughs> it's very much locked in time. Nothing wrong with that. Now, a brief track, this next one. I wanted to include this selection because I know this game was a huge deal to a lot of people, not something I ever played. I know there was a remastered version out or due. I'm not sure. I think it came out. Uh, they certainly remastered the original game in the series, Age of Empires. But I remember this was a game that friends of mine who were not necessarily gamers in the same way that I am, somebody that tries to buy and play everything and has a games podcast and is obsessed but people who had computers and were interested in strategy and history they would play these age of empires games for hours and hours and hours and hours on end so crack and unleashed requests the main theme he says or she says <laughs> 
I know this is a short track, but I still would like to request it. Age of Empires 2 was, if memory serves, my first real video game. After seeing some cousins play it over the holidays, I immediately requested it as a present from my parents, probably for my birthday. Looking back, I realised I was never very good at the game, having to cheat a lot to win almost anything, but I still had a blast playing that game's campaign. However, musically, the opening title theme, and especially that melody in the first few seconds, has stuck with me like little else since that time. I still find myself humming those few bars, and to this day, the opening title music remains my ingrained ideal of medieval themes. This is Stephen A. Rippey's main theme for Age of Empires 2. PC, Mac, and I'd forgotten there was a PS2 conversion, as sometimes happened. I remember there was a PS1 version of Civilization, and uh, yeah, certain PC, seemingly very PC-centric strategy games seem to get ported uh, with varying amounts of success. I remember playing uh, the PS1 version of Syndicate Wars. I think that was actually designed somewhat with with PS1 in mind. Obviously, uh, Populous as well came over, Populous Beginning, which also came to uh, 16-bit consoles, the original Populous. So there has always been a precedent of porting the unportable or the semi-portable computer games to consoles. And the control systems sometimes work when ripped out from mouse and keyboard and, and crammed onto a controller and sometimes don't. Not sure about the PS2 version of Age of Empires 2. If anyone played it, I'd be interested to know uh, if it ran fast, smooth, and didn't control like a dog. <laughs> Microsoft's game, that was. Uh, still is. I think they still own the license. Well, I'm not sure, actually. Anyway, Ensemble Studios put it together. Please remember, venture over to our forum, canonrince.com slash forum. And as you've heard, we will continue to include requests in the regular show sometimes more than just the normal few that we slip in and this show proves that with nine or ten uh, you can also follow us on twitter at canarince use the hashtag sound of play if you want to make a request you could even send us a, a little message on facebook we have a facebook page we like you to like it facebook.com slash canarince if you're interested in games industry news that's the only place we do that really uh, but it's a cool place to get a sort of curated version of the news and uh, also there's some good discussion on there same with our forum do head over uh, don't forget our other podcast of course cane and rinse if you don't listen to that already please subscribe to this podcast and that one on apple podcasts or itunes whatever you refer it uh, refer to it as uh, or any other podcast platform you can get your hands on uh, follow us on twitter as i say and facebook and instagram 
And if you enjoy the shows that we make and appreciate the effort that goes into them, which is substantial, you can support us for even the minimum of a dollar a month, which is currently around 75p. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash rinse and it supports uh, our ongoing endeavours, allows us to keep putting the amount of time and uh, indeed effort that we put into all these shows. Uh, it's most appreciated. Uh, thank you to all of our community contributors for this show. Keep them coming, as I say. And I'm going to leave you with this one last request from the year 2000, which is now 18 years ago. I remember when the year 2000 sounded like far-off science fiction fantasy futures. Uh, but this game is actually set in an alternative version of the past. So, Stalked by Cats says, While I would hate to be pigeonholed as the arcade flight sim guy, I still have to ask, was Crimson Skies great or what? It combined accessibility with surprising depth in terms of aircraft customization and variety that actually made piloting a heavily armed and armoured Balmoral flying fortress feel very different from whizzing around your enemies in an autogyro and peppering them with machine gun fire like the world's deadliest mosquito. Its setting is an alternate history 1930s where the US has broken up into dozens of bickering Balkan states and air pirates roam the skies in carrier zeppelins to strike just the right balance between colourful ludicrousness and being detailed and thoughtful enough to still somehow appear believable. Fasser certainly had a knack for creating worlds. Of course all this is helped by the fact that I can't get the damn thing to run on a modern machine leaving memories from when I was eight blissfully undisturbed. That they're as vivid as ever surely speaks to the game's credit. One thing I can confirm has held up, however, is the title theme. All it takes is a couple of keys to get me back in full swashbuckling mode. Let's get this straight, sister. Errol Flynn pretends to be me, not the other way around. So this is the main theme and a bit of the menu music by Stan Lepard from the original Crimson Skies. You can play, just want to point out, you can play Crimson Skies High Road to Revenge, which was the Xbox incarnation very cool game, I thought, uh, on, I believe it's uh, it's also available now on Xbox One. So there are ways to play some Crimson Skies uh, on a contemporary system worth investigation. But uh, until the next sound of play, I'll leave you with the Crimson Skies theme from the year 2000. And we'll see you in sound of play 157.